Well, good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. So it's interesting because there's still a lot of people having cupcakes out there. Um, but I want you to humor me because you're in the room. And here's how you're going to humor me. Stand if you've been here for 15 to 20 years at Souls of Your Home. 15 to 20 years, stand up. All right. Stay standing. Now stand if you've been here between 10 and 14 years. Okay, okay, some of you have to do math. I get Stand if you've been here between 5 and 9 years. Okay, and now stand if you've been here between 1 and 4 years. There we go, we got everybody in there. And if you're not here, please stand. And the rest of you can be seated, thank you. It's always neat to see, as you look back, the change and everything. And the anniversaries are important to us because they actually give us a chance to celebrate. They give us a chance to remember, to reflect where we've come from, what God has done. And uh, again, looking at the pictures and then the, the wall, the anniversary wall out there, kind of like, oh my goodness. It doesn't seem like it's been 20 years. And, and, and to be honest, 20 years is important, but in comparison to human history, it's just a pinpoint in time. It truly is. And as I look back on the last 20 years, the first thing that comes to my mind, my mind is, wow, time flies. I put on a little bit of weight, right? 20 years have already gone by. And another thing that comes to my mind is thankfulness, because I am thankful because God has been so good to us as a community. And as Odette was giving her tribute, all these memories were coming through my head. But a 20-year history is not that significant, though, in the big picture of history. But at the same time, 20 years for a church is a miracle. It is. Because for 20 years, a bunch of sinful, snarky, self-centered people have hung out together and called themselves a church. And they have gotten along. They shared both in a vision and a mission for this city and this world together. And that, my friends, is a miracle of God's grace. And it's a miracle that for 20 years, you have put up with me. And for 20 years, I have put up with you. Yeah. Do I get an amen? And if it was not for the Holy Spirit, this whole thing would have collapsed. The church is a, it's beautiful, but it's a mess, right? She's a beautiful mess. A beautiful mess that is literally held together by the Holy Spirit with Jesus as the head. And my aim today is not to celebrate us as a church. That's not my in intention. Instead, my aim today is to celebrate the amazing grace of God. The grace that has sustained this church through all types of seasons. There have been beautiful seasons of growth. There have been other seasons of decline. I, I tell this story all the time. When we got the eviction notice and we had to leave uh, 1111 Chevrolet and we didn't know where to go. And we went to the cheap seat theaters, which is now the nice theaters out here on McGilvery. Like we were pushing over a thousand people at the time and we grew that church down to 400, right? 
It was just like people said, I'm not going there. And then where did everybody go? So all different seasons, seasons of growth, seasons of decline. There have been celebrations where we thought things were going well. There were challenges where we wondered if we were going to even have a place to meet the next following Sunday. And God has been there to see us through all the highs and the lows and, uh, and, and, and to see us through it all. And what we have seen over and over again is just how faithful God is. So on a day like this, it's good for us to simply stop and to look back to see how God has been amazing and how God has been faithful, as well as be reminded as to what it makes Soul Sanctuary special. And today we reflect on what God's story has done over the last 20 years, but, but we look ahead to the things that God is going to do over the next generation or two. And my desire for Soul for the future is what we've been doing in the last 20 years, to be honest. And so I've been able to put it down into five simple bullet points. A word craving people, Jesus promoting, grace experiencing, gospel sharing, obedient living people. And I think that those points have been what has marked this church over the years. And my prayer is it will continue to mark us over to the next 20. And so today I want to share from 1 Peter 2. And 1 Peter was written 30 years after Pentecost to a group of people who were being, where persecution was just starting and the government was turning against them. Nero was Caesar at the time. He's on the throne and Peter is writing to people who have felt as outsiders, as though they've never really had a homeland now. And so these Christians have became increasingly countercultural. <coughs> Excuse me. And the book was written to help the followers of Jesus know how they ought to navigate the hostile culture. Chapter 1 of 1 Peter is focused on the heavenly realities. It's about what God has done for us through the work of Christ. And then in chapter 2, Peter bridges the spiritual and the practical reality, helping these followers of Jesus know who he is, but then also how they should live their lives. And so there are five characteristics we see. And the first is that they were a word-craving people. And that's what I've always desired Soul Sanctuary to be. And I pray that it continues to do that. The people that Peter were writing to were the kind of people who just didn't read the Bible, but they're kind of people who hungered after it, who longed for it, who wanted to know it. What does it really mean? How does it apply? And so he writes in chapter 2, he says, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, craves pure spiritual milk, so that it may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so Peter uses this metaphor of newborn babies to describe the craving he wants them to have for the Word of God, for the Scriptures. And if you remember when we started, this was my Bible. Coming up and opening this and reading from this, the scriptures. And Peter wanted his readers, he wanted them to be about as passionate about the word as a newborn baby is about milk. And if you've ever been around a new baby, they're relentless in their passion for milk. If you think of the last time you heard a hungry newborn, was it patient? No. They probably began to cry, piercing cry, without any regard for timing or convenience for that matter. Because a baby doesn't care where they are at any point in time. They want milk and they want it now. And when hungry, a newborn will relentlessly search 
for milk from a pacifier, from a finger, from even the back of its own hand. And Peter is saying that a believer should be that passionate about the scriptures, about the word of God. There should be that craving for the word. Other places of the New Testament, the, the word milk is often used as elementary teaching. But in this context, Peter is not referring to the Bible as elementary teaching. Rather, he means that the word of God is spiritual nourishment. And the idea that there's this leaning into the word, a longing for it, a craving for it, because they can grow up into their salvation, as verse 2 tells us. And so this means that by craving the word, they become more and more like Jesus. And the ultimate aim of salvation is not just heaven. Heaven's the prize. The ultimate aim of God's plan for your life is to put you face to face with Jesus. And that never changes for all eternity. No sin, no sorrow, no pain. And growing up in that likeness is what the word of God helps us to do. Verse 3 goes on and tells us now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So what happens is as we study the scriptures, we encounter Jesus through his word. We taste it over and over again. What do we taste? We taste the goodness of God. And from the very beginning, this church has been marked by the commitment to the scriptures. This is our testimony. This is important because we believe biblically and philosophically the power for you to change doesn't come from my opinion. It doesn't come from our programs or some kind of skill or ingenuity. We believe fundamentally that your ability to change comes from the authority of Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I got a little amen. Okay. Crickets. Come on. In my role, week in and week out, I'm given the privilege to slice and to dice this word to give you life. Pastors come and go. People come and go. It's the word that remains the same. And this church is a living testimony of the fact that when the word of God is preached, it becomes a living agent in the body, the body of Christ. And so from the start, soul has been marked by a craving for the word. And I want to encourage you to keep that craving at the forefront of your spiritual life. And we have to realize that without this word, we will fail. We can't do it on our own. We won't be the church that God wants us to be if we stray from the scriptures. We need to come Sunday after Sunday ready to, to receive with an open Bible, an open mind, and an open heart that says, when you walk in through these doors, God, I'm hungry to taste your goodness over and over again. Next is Jesus promoting orientation. That's so our desire is always to lift up the name of Jesus. We were singing that this morning. We read in verse 4, As you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. And this is actually very important, especially if you are persecuted people and you're reading this, that you can be chosen, that you can be loved by God and still be rejected by the world. And so Peter, then he also, he writes, he goes, you also like living stones. So Jesus is called the living stone and we are like living stones. There's a resemblance of Jesus in us, especially when we gather together. And so we are, as Peter writes, being built into a spiritual house. 
to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so sanctuary is being built and it's made up of people. It's not built on bricks and mortar. That's the after effect. But it's made up of people who are living stones, who are described as a holy priesthood, who offer spiritual sacrifices to God all through Jesus Christ. That's who the church is. That's who we are. And I don't know about you, but I believe in the church. I've experienced the global church in ways that I've never thought before. And I'll address that next week when I do my reflection about sabbatical and mission. But I think amongst human communities, the church is the most beautiful place. And I see why God chose the church, even if it's messy at times. But I believe in the church. Not necessarily as an institution, but as a living body, as a living community that not only works together, but also needs each other. And the purpose is to lift up the name of Jesus in everything that we do. So whether it's taking care of our missionaries around the world, or refugees from Syria, or Pakistan, or Ukraine, or the local needs in our community, or simply praying for one another. We all have come here together to hear the word read aloud and explained and then encouraged as we leave to act as messengers of Jesus. So it's vital for our spiritual growth. In the next 20 years, we have to continue to build this church together. And then as we give this church to our children, as we give this church to our future, the future we do so that they may carry this mission and vision on. Yeah, I was looking at the pictures and there was Andrew Davison. You know, he was just a little wee tyke when he walked in here. Now he's on staff. I look at Jordan. He was a little wee tyke when we started. Now he's on staff. It's interesting how we see. I was up in the, up in the second floor. Brenda. Um, Goche. She had pictures of her teaching kids. And now she's up teaching your children in the second floor with her son alongside assisting her. It's amazing to see this. It's amazing to see how it, God is beginning just to, to roll it out. Yes, we celebrate the past, but we also celebrate what God is doing in the future, which is the kids, our kids. And so we have to build. We have to work hard. You don't come to church just for yourself. You come to build a community. Then your children and their children after them will benefit from this community, from this church. The city, the world will benefit from this church. The city, the world has benefited from this church. We are doing valuable things, worthy things in not just the world around us, but even in your own life. And as we build this church together, and as we lift up the name of Jesus, we have the confidence in God that he who had begun a good work, and then God will bring it to completion in his name. And Peter continues to write, and he goes and he quotes three Old Testament passages. And he says, the scripture says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who don't believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So what Peter is saying is that Jesus is the dividing line in culture. He's the... I remember in Calvary Temple and a young lady got saved, a young adult. And her statement to me was, God, I get. But Jesus, 
wow. And what she was saying is, it, yeah, we have this concept of God, but it's Jesus. Who do you say I am? It's Jesus. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. These readers, they love Jesus. They had been changed by Jesus. He's the cornerstone, the foundation, the beginning of everything. And we have to be reminded that Jesus is the core. That's what we sung about this morning. And for us at Seoul, we have always felt that as well. Colossians 1.15 states, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. We encourage you to promote Jesus to the world around you. Why? so he may reign it's about jesus the third thing is grace experiencing and i love the fact that dwayne led us and this is amazing grace i'll never forget one of the very first converts <laughs> my mom and dad well yours too they hated the music we did when we first planted they just absolutely hated it <laughs> they hated the fact that i wore jeans with holes in it and they didn't wear a suit like can't you put a suit on stop telling jokes they're dead now. I can share these stories. <laughs> and there was a man who was sitting there and he was bawling his eyes out after their gathering. And my dad has already been in my face numerous times about the music. The music makes him cry. And so he pulls up beside this old, uh, old gentleman. And again, he was in his 70s. Says to him, sir, I can't help but see your crying. My name is Bill. What's your name? He goes, well, my name is uh, Tug. Oh, hi, Tug. How are you? And he starts sobbing. And he goes, Tug, what's wrong? And Tug goes, it's the music. And my dad said, yeah, the music makes me cry too. <laughs> Tug then turns around and he looks at my dad. He says, I absolutely love it. It shattered my dad's <laughs> concept of what ministry was because he said, to him, he said to me, how can an old man like Tug like the music that you guys are doing on stage? But he realized that it was the amazing grace. Tug later came to our house later on he that was a bad pentecostal pastor i'll tell you i just went him out of the house it was a long day they were asking tons of questions we had that bible out i was reading answering their questions regarding the scripture finally i said are you done they said yes and they walked out of the house i didn't even pray with them they walked out next morning i get a phone call it's tug hey jerry yeah you know that song amazing grace and the song specifically was grace rains down if those of you who know throwback 20 years i go yeah he says well that song has now become my song that was our first convert here we are focusing on a church that we thought was going to be 45 or younger and our first convert was 70 72 years of age grace 
We sang about grace. And Peter writes, he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. He's talking to you that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And these people receive God's unbelievable grace. They receive mercy that they did not deserve. And all of us in this room have to realize that God has been so gracious to us. And we don't deserve anything, and yet we still experience the grace of God. Soul, planted in 2004. Do you remember what took place in 2004? For those of you who are alive? Did you know that on January 3rd, 2004, after hosting the show for over 30 years, Casey Kasem gave up his hosting duties of America Top 40 to who? Ryan Seacrest. Do you also know that on January 3rd, 2004, Britney Spears married her childhood pal and future stalker Jason Allen Alexander at a little white wedding chapel in Las Vegas, although the marriage was annulled 55 hours later, but it happened. Did you know that January 4th at 11, 11 a.m. at 11, 11 Chevrier, Soul Sanctuary began its first gathering and we had no clue who was going to walk in through that door. Other noteworthy events that really makes me proud of 2004. February 3rd, a month later, Zuckerberg launched Facebook from his dorm room. We are older than Facebook. <laughs> you know, 20 years ago, I never thought, honestly, I just never thought I would be here today standing before you celebrating this milestone. Because when we set out to plant soul, both Sharon and I knew that this is something that we had to do. People literally told us, you're crazy. Many threw questions at us like, why would you leave the security of an established church and go out and plant a new one? What happens if it doesn't work out? Do you have a backup plan? Yeah, I'd find another job, obviously, duh. But planting this church was something that we had to do, even if there was going to be failure. And we both felt that we were being obedient to God in the process. But of course, our parents spoke into our lives. And even my father said this. He says, we're not sure if this is the right thing for you to do. But we will know soon if there's any fruit. And if so, it is of God. Well, no pressure, Dad. <laughs> but look, 20 years later. And we have 20 years of God's grace upon grace here at Seoul. And if you know... Like, I know if you were to look at your life, you would see the same thing as well. That God has preserved and protected every one of us. Yes, there have been some very hard times and seasons in our lives that we can't fully explain, that we have walked through as individuals. There will be times in our lives where we were left sitting on the floor saying to ourselves, I don't even know what's going on. I don't even know what that's all about. And we're going to have to wait until we get to heaven to have the answers to all those questions. But in the meantime, all we needed to know is that God is behind it all. And he's brought you where you are here today. And he has brought this church to where it is today, that we are a grace-experiencing people. We were once not a people, but now, as believers, we are people of God. Fourth is gospel sharing. Verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light.
In other words, we've all received grace, not just to store it. We have received all this grace, not just to consume it or just to celebrate it. We've received this grace to do all that, but also then to open our mouth and to proclaim it and to tell others the gospel is simple. It is God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God, however. Our sins can't be removed by our good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus, what does he do? He dies and he rises again. And then everybody who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And life with Jesus, it starts now. And we speak the name of Jesus over our family. We speak him over our city, over our nation, and over our world. That's why we do it. In other words, we live on earth to let others know that I'm not my own, but I was bought with the price. We live on earth to let others know that, that we have a king and he rescued me from myself because I'm a horrible person. And you got then get to know him. And that's why you're in your neighborhood that you're in. Do you know that? That's why you're at your place of work where you find yourself every day. That's why you're in the school that you are in. That is why God has allowed you to climb the position you are in life where you are. That's why hardship and sorrow come so that you can platform the gospel. And we are people for God's possession so we can open our mouths and we can tell the world the beautiful story of God's grace. And that is why we are here. That is why this church is here, in order to make this message known, to make a reality that something's proclaimed all over the world. And it's not just, like, if it's not loving your enemies, if it's not about welcoming strangers, let me say, it's not the gospel of Jesus. If it's not good news to the poor, it is not the gospel of Jesus. If it doesn't sound like Jesus, or look like Jesus, or love like Jesus, then let's not call it Christianity. So whether it's in Kenya or Indonesia or Ukraine or Brazil or Poland or Czechia or Thailand or the Dominican Republic or the inner city of Winnipeg, our mission is to proclaim the kingdom of God and sharing the name of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the love of Jesus. That is why we are in this world. And if you have no idea of how God might use your witness and the witness of this church in somebody's life, just look around. Don't give up. Don't quit. God's grace is worth proclaiming because you never know where it's going to bear fruit. It will. And finally, the text calls us to be obedient living people. And I've said it over and over again. Obedience is God's love language. And in these final verses of 11 and 12, it's something that we all need to personally consider, especially in light of our rapidly changing culture. And I'm sure for most of us who began this church 20 years ago, we could hardly imagine the moral and societal issues that we face today. I can't even imagine what my culture is going to be like in 20 years from now. I can say with surety that it will not be any better. We live in a post-pre-Christian culture. And what does Peter do? He writes. He writes to his people. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles... These people hadn't left their culture, but they find themselves as foreigners and exiles in it. And so what does Peter tell them to do? It's really interesting. He says, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. 
Now, this day of visitation is interesting. It's one of two things. It's either A, when God comes in judgment, or B, when God comes in salvation. We're not quite sure. We don't know which one it is, but regardless, it's about when God comes. And when God comes, there's a point of reference in people's lives. So when people will be able to say, you know, I know some people who are followers of Jesus and me, though I said, or I did terrible things to them or about them. They're still righteous people, you know. There are people who are pursuing to be like Jesus and, and lift Jesus higher. It's obvious, even though I treat them poorly. And Peter warns his readers that even though they have come to Christ, there are still characteristics in their hearts that are passions and characteristics of a broken culture. And he warns them, he says, take hold of those passions, push them out, get rid of that stuff. And this is the inner battle of which, of what will rule and control your life. It's the real one. And the followers of Jesus are to resist this normal sinful desire that dominates our culture. And that is also lurking within our hearts. So Peter's calling us to be obedient people. And this is where the text becomes personable and applicable and it's amazing that any group of people can live together for 20 years as a church and I want to add publicly to those who have started from the beginning and you've made it this far you have faithfully followed Jesus but you and I are now suffering from OLDS old but God bless you and I mean that the next generation needs godly elders who are going to make it all the way to the finish line with 50 years of marriage and 60 years of following Jesus, right? We need those examples. We had those when we started the church. We had my parents. We had your parents, Sharon. We had a couple of other saints that came around us. We need those who will walk their way limping and hurting to the finish line, who will say, I will follow Jesus until my last breath and we need people like you we need the elders in our community why because there's a lot of body bags on the trail of people who didn't make it and i'm grateful for godly people who have faithfully followed jesus over the years we're not a perfect church man you're here like i'm here and yet I'm thankful for godly men and women who had made this day possible by attending, by serving, by giving, by praying, by encouraging. And that opens the door for my challenge today. I need to remind all of us that our godliness matters. Now, if you're a young man or woman, and a lot of you are sitting in front of me, there are churches in this city like ours. There are churches in this country that will need you as an elder someday. Young people, your parents will not always be leaders in the church. And we need godly young men and women to rise up in the church and who are going to say, I'm going to do it better than my parents did. And your parents are going to look at you and say, you go. They're not going to say to you, stop being so godly. 
Rather, they're going to cheer you on until the finish line. Young people, make your parents look bad. I mean it. In terms of your righteousness, in terms of your holiness. Come to church, be involved in the life of the church, and lead not just in works, but lead in righteousness. When you leave the church and you go into that culture that's just a broken mess around us, live the life that Jesus wants you to live. Be the person he's created you to be. Be obedient to the scriptures and remember that's God's love's language. Because without obedience, the gospel is gutted of its power, of its attractiveness. So young people and older follow hard after Jesus. You know why? Because grace is too lovely. The cross is too costly. And eternity too real for the followers of Jesus to mess around with and disobey. And without a vibrant witness in this community, this church and other churches made up of other godly men and women... The gospel won't go forward in the city. And therefore we need godly men and women, young and old, who say, Jesus is my focus. Obedience is my treasure. The word is what I crave. Grace is what I have experienced. And I want to tell everybody about it because I love Jesus. Romans is a beautiful book. And there's a lot of good lessons but what's most inspiring for me is the last chapter. And in the last chapter, there's no teaching, but it's just, it just says, greet this person and greet that person. And Paul makes a whole list of greets. Greet all these people. And while I was reading that, I realized that these are people who were with Paul in his ministry. And all of them worked so hard. So it wasn't Paul alone who built a church. All these people worked together to build the churches in which they found themselves. And our life is like that, my friends. We've never made it all by ourselves. I didn't make 20 years of ministry in this church myself. I think I needed this congregation. I know I needed the steering committee to shape me more. And you've taught me and you've shaped me who I am and in my thinking. And this community has shaped me tremendously. And I have to admit, I thank God every day for that. And our life is like that. You don't make your life by yourself. You're being shaped by the people around you, whether you like it or not. And they have shaped you. Your parents, your friends, your leaders, all these people have shaped your life. And our life is made by others and with others. And sometimes we argue, sometimes we disagree, sometimes we even challenge one another. But we do pray together, we do cry together. Most of all, we know that we're in ministry together. And more than anything else, it has been God who has been there all along in his invisible presence. God's invisible presence is the most powerful presence. And when we're down and we cried out, it was God who lifts us up. When we stood helplessly not knowing what to do or where to go, and we prayed, it was God. God broke open the door for us to go through. And in spite of many mistakes that we make and have made, God has worked through mistakes. And when I look back, all I can say is this. Man, I didn't know any better. 
And don't you feel like that sometimes? You look at your life 20 years ago, 30 years ago, some of you, you're younger than 20 when you look back like, you know, last year. Man, I didn't know any better. I just see how blinded I was. But you know what? God didn't mind it. God has worked through our imperfections here in this community. We're now entering a new chapter of our church. Not as a teenager anymore. 20 years is not a teenager anymore. We're not a church plant anymore. We're entering into adulthood. And as we enter into adulthood, my prayer is that we all become more spiritually mature. And God has been very kind to this church over 20 years. Amazingly kind and gracious. And we don't deserve any of it. My hope and my prayer is that we would be the kind of people who are word-craving, Jesus-promoting, grace-experiencing, gospel-sharing, obedient-living people for another 20 years. Loving, gracious God, we come before you as we mark 20 years in the life of this church. We give you thanks for your guidance, your prodding, your leading. We give you thanks for all that you have accomplished in your name. But we also know sometimes we have missed a mark. So we thank you for all those with whom we have contact over the past 20 years. Whether it was for joyous reasons or sad ones. For whatever reason they found themselves here in this building or in this community or benefiting from our generosity. May we, through that contact, however brief, have shared something of your love for all people. Thank you for your mercy, your grace, which is far beyond we could ever deserve in a moment like these remind us that we are a people who have, could have never made it apart from you all of us have a story a record of failure a record of sin and yet there's a record that has been wiped clean by the blood of Jesus and we rejoice in that today and what you have done through soul over the years and we take great joy in what it means to be a people who have become your possession and at this anniversary time we cannot stand only looking backwards but we must look forward and so we thank you that you will walk with us into the coming years of the life of this church. May we celebrate and remember the past 20 years. Now go forward in hope and joy, praying for the next generation into this future. Father, bless this next generation as they stand with us. Fill them with your spirit. Empower them to go further than what we could ever imagine. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And those who agree said amen. Amen. As you leave this place, soul sanctuary, in the ancient time, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. Those who received the blessing did likewise. If you want your blessing, here it is. When you leave, remember this. Live as God's people through the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, you are the chosen ones by God. Chosen for the high calling of priest work. Chosen to be holy people. God's instrument to do his work. And speak out for him. Tell others what God has done for you. Now go. Go into the world and may the love of God embrace you. The grace of Jesus challenge you. And the power of the Holy Spirit. May he renew you. Amen and amen. We'll see you later.